Ding dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast formerly about NBC's The Good Place, and now kind of about our favorite seasonal releases, let's say. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's a best-selling romance author, it's my sister Marissa. And yet my agent behaves as though if I don't write another book right this second, we're all going to be destitute and starving on the streets. And not only that, but that you won't know who you are anymore. Marissa, what was this movie? <laughs> I I apologize. Uh, it is that time of year again. We're getting into the holiday spirit by watching some ridiculous made-for-TV Christmas movies. Uh, this week, I will admit that I recommended <laughs> that we watch Netflix's A Castle for Christmas, starring Brooke Shields and Carrie Elway's Scottish accent. <laughs> we will get into it. But um, a little housekeeping. I'm sorry. I just hear Marissa sighing. A little housekeeping up top. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. And any other platforms? We were talking last time about being on Amazon. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Nobody nobody got in touch to ask for anything specifically. If you want to, please rate and review us. That would be like a nice little holiday gift for us. Uh, and you can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play. Twitter, we are at The Good Play Pod. And uh, you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. So, so how did we end up at this movie, you might ask? Well, I have been watching Wheel of Time, but Brianna doesn't have Amazon. I went to go see West Side Story, but Brianna lives in New York City, which is like a plague infested hellhole right now. And (laughs) I have not been keeping up with Hawkeye because, like, I think I mentioned this when I posted the last episode, the reason our recording and posting schedule has been really spotty lately is because I am in grad school now and it, like, took me to church. (laughs) It was bad. (laughs) About once a week I would get a text message from Marissa that's like, can you do my statistics homework? And I'd have to be like, I went to art school. You don't want me doing your statistics homework, my girl. So so I, I haven't been watching Hawkeye because I didn't have time. My semester just ended. Um, we're recording this on Saturday night and my semester just ended this past Monday. So I have not had time to watch Hawkeye. Uh, so we had I to pick something. I think we will try to do an episode on Hawkeye. Yes, I do want to watch it. I really do. Yeah. So I will get around to it. But so when we had to find something that we had in common that we could talk about, uh, we both have Netflix and, and uh, a movie even... is only 90 minutes long. <laughs> and, so. you know, the two of us. Yes. Traditionally, we enjoy the schmaltzy Hallmark holiday fair. And we'd exchanged some text messages when this uh, oh, the trailer, trailer dropped. dropped. Yes. Which is, so it didn't come out of nowhere. I thought, you know, we had been talking about this off air, so maybe we'd enjoy it. Um, and, you know, what to say about this? We'll do a recap, but I don't know if you want to, like, front load anything at the top. It was bad. Okay. It was just bad. Like, I, so it wasn't, there, there's, like, a certain kind of bad um, made for TV movie that is sluggish and dull 
and nobody can act. And that's not what this was. Mm -hmm. Um, It was none of those things. Uh, This was bad because it made no sense. The end made no sense. (laughs) And so it's hard for like, look, I love romance. Not like I don't read romance novels. I think they're generally garbage. So Um, you wouldn't read the Emma Gale series? Well, I think these are not romance novels, right? This is like the, the um, what's it called? Shopaholic. You know, the Shopaholic books. Oh, I thought they were romance, but maybe you're right. No, it's because it's one guy. You know, there's like 12 of these Emma Gale books, and she meets the the guy in the first sentence of book one, and then he dies at the end of book 12. So that's not like a romance novel, mm-hmm. right? Because... It's more of like a slice of life chick lit, it seems like. Okay. So like Shopaholic or like the Emily, what are they, the Emily Griffin books? Like the... um Something, something Borrowed. Yeah, Something Borrowed, Something Blue. Like So the, I super do not read any of that stuff. <laughs> it is like not for me. But I love like a good romance heavy genre book. Like mm-hmm. I love romantic fantasy. I love romantic sci-fi. I guess like romantic literary fiction, if if that was a thing, I'm not sure if it is. Um, I don't like romance as a genre because I think it's generally pretty boring. I guess there's like a couple of like romantic chiclet Eve kind of books. The Christina Lauren book that I read, I think it's called like In a Holidays. It's like oh, a, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's like she gets stuck in a time loop and she because so she can figure out she's supposed to be with this one guy like. You know, kind of has like an interesting hook to it, but like I, I read the first Bridgerton book, and I have never been so bored. (laughs) It's like not, it's not for me. But I love like a good romance, and I love like a a good on screen romance. Yeah, like I'm all for it, man. Like I, I will join your party. Like this is gonna be fun, and like this was just so mishandled that I was like, I can't even enjoy this romance. I'm just sitting here like, I'm feeling nothing because you did a bad job. I also, it hurts, I think, especially because, I don't know about you, but for for me, like, Carrie Elways as, uh, <laughs> you know, Wesley and the Princess Bride is like a, is like a formative romantic, I mean, that's the perfect example of him as a romantic lead and like really knocking it out of the park. It's not like that's been a role he's been in a lot since that though. No, that's true. He was in Robin Hood Men in Tights. He is sort of the romantic hero in that. But then but everything since then comedy. he's been like he's been like the guy in Saw having to saw his own leg off. Stop telling me that Carrie always <laughs> was in Saw. <laughs> I can't handle that. The- he was also a very bad member of the X-Files cast back in the day. He had a I, terrible American accent. It was like Benedict Cumberbatch he, level bad. <laughs> he doesn't have a great Scottish accent, I will I will also say. I have nothing to judge it by, so I was like, sure, this sounds legit. <laughs> well, I have I have some thoughts about his Scottish accent that we can get to, but the other thing that I know him in from the past, you know, decade or so, and you're really gonna laugh, he was a very popular guest star on Psych. Oh, he right. Did... But wasn't he like a psycho killer or something? No, no. He was, um, uh, they think he's an art thief, but it turns out he's just doing insurance fraud. <laughs> okay. And he's very, very funny and he's super charming. And Sean, like, totally falls under his spell. And he does, like, <laughs> a four episode arc, but in, like, different seasons. So he'll just, like, pop in every once in a while in the late, in later seasons. And he's, he's a lot of fun on that show because they just let him kind of, do 
like be like super funny and that's about it. But yeah, I mean, but I just mean like, I know he's capable of being a really great romantic lead because we saw that of him in his early career. And yeah, and like there's a certain amount of like, oh, it would be nice for Hallmark or this isn't Hallmark, but whatever, this genre. Yeah. It would be nice for the genre to <laughs> that's that's in memory of Alex Trebek that I'm saying it like that. Oh, it would okay. be nice for this genre <laughs> to like focus more on older people yes, falling I agree. in love. I agree. Like you know, that's an underserved demographic. And like let's be real, like who's watching these movies? Like old people like you and me. <laughs> so just, it's nice to just, super serve your, just, you know, your target demo. <laughs> All right, that's it. <laughs> just lay me in the crib. <laughs> um, no, I mean that is. I think that is one of the. We should get into the um, recap, and I can do it if you're too angry to do it. But we should get into the recap. But I do, I do agree with you, and I do want to say one of the things that I actually did like about this movie was that, like, they were both allowed to have had, like, earlier romances. Marriages, and yes. Marriages. Although I have, a, I have a note on the, the Duke's earlier <laughs> oh, marriage. okay. <laughs> I think you texted it to me earlier. But, like, you know, she's got a daughter, and, like, that's, that's not the conflict. The conflict is not... The conflict you, is nothing. That's true. But the conflict is not, like, you were with this other person, and how can we be together now or whatever like you can't let go of him or whatever like there it's just like yeah i was married now i'm not cool me too and i think that is i i think you're right i think it's very cool to see like i was very happy to see that like brooke shields who was such an icon in her younger years and still has got it lady is hot she is so beautiful and i was really happy to see that she got to be the romantic lead all over again like that's very very cool so I think, you know, at least we can hold on to that. <laughs> but the rest of it, I agree, doesn't really stand up. <laughs> the only thing I legit uncomplicatedly liked about this movie was the portrayal of a town in Scotland where, first of all, there is racial diversity and it is never commented upon. Mm-hmm. Which is real, right? Like, if people want to pretend that, like, you know, the British Isles are, like, still totally white and, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, they are not. You know, and so you have, I mean, it's not, look, it's not very much ethnic diversity. But there's, like, a few, you know, Afro-Brits in there. And it's ne- it's not made into a thing. I was yeah. so worried that this was going to become a thing. And it's like, nope, they're just as Scottish as anybody else. And nobody is... Nobody is trying to, you know, make a thing out of it. Yeah. But also just, like, I kind of love, like, one of the things that happens in this movie is that Brooke Shields kind of gets adopted by this, like, social circle Mm -hmm. in the town. And, like, they're just, like, good people who are sweet and they like to do nice things for each other. And they hang out and they are positive and... It was lovely. Like, and I, and I don't know if it's realistic. Like, I think small towns generally are pretty parochial and distrusting of outsiders. But there's always an exception to the rule. And, like, it was just nice to see her kind of get adopted into this little group. And it was pretty uncomplicated. Yeah. And it's just nice for her to have, like, normally in these movies, the, the, romant- the, the female romantic lead 
maybe has one friend who she's had for a long time who kind of is there to be like, you know, this is crazy. You shouldn't be doing this. Like, you've only known him for three days. You can't have a Hanukkah wedding with him or whatever. (laughs) Would it be? I mean, let's, I wouldn't dream of a Hanukkah wedding in one of these movies. (laughs) But like, this is like a genuine, like social circle that's like super pro-social and like uplifting and sweet. And like, I just thought that was so refreshing and positive. And that was the only thing I liked about this yeah, movie. Yeah, and there's also no, in that social circle, now that you mention it, like, there's also no sort of, like, cattiness or backbiting. Or not even, like, a, yes, but not even, like, a a misunderstanding that right goes awry and, like, causes some big flare-up. Like, it's not like Maisie, who runs the inn, says to you know, Carrie always like, oh, you know, she's not even interested in you because she told me she's not interested in you or whatever, like early on. And then he's like, oh, well, Maisie says that she's not interested, so I can't ask her out or whatever. Like, you what know. a great name, by the way. Maisie. Maisie. It's an amazing name. I have heard, I've never been to Scotland, but I have heard that Scottish people are like very welcoming and very like, you know. I have been to Scotland and our tour guide told us, so we see a hairy coup at one point in this movie. Mm hmm. Which, of course, it took me, like, I think years to realize that the actual word is hairy cow. Because <laughs> the tour guide told us it was a hairy coo and it was spelled C-O-O-O-O. <laughs> and I was, like, 17. So I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> then, like, later I was like, I think that was a hairy cow and I think he was messing with me. <laughs> Taurus. <I don't- laughs> Taurus. They are extremely, hairy coos are extremely cute, like those big shaggy cows. Yeah. But that, I've been to Scotland, uh, it was in February. Ooh. Landscape wasn't much to write home about. Uh, Great Scotch Whiskey Heritage Center. If you're ever in Edinburgh, (laughs) look up the Scotch Whiskey Heritage Center. do that. Little little samples at the end. Such a lightweight, but I'll see what I can do. (laughs) It's on my list. I really want to go because I've, I lived in England for a short time and I've been to Ireland several times, but I've never been to Scotland. So it's on my list. Maybe you can meet a duke with a castle. I mean... A drafty old castle. A drafty old castle. <laughs> Listen, I could do a lot worse. And I have done a lot worse in the past. <laughs> Shall we get into it? Do you want me to do the recap? Or yeah, go ahead. It? All right. <laughs> so... I got a lot to say about the first, like, five minutes of this movie, too. Oh, no. So feel free to jump this in. Was, this beginning, this opening was unhinged. I agree. I almost turned it off, but I, <laughs> I powered through. So we get a voiceover of Brooke, of Brooke Shields, and it's, like, Manhattan uh, aerial shot. And I was like, oh, New York. I miss yeah. you even though I live here. And... It's a bunch of her, like, book covers, and they're very, like, 80s, sort of flying over. Except she's on them? Like, she's the main character? Were you as confused by that as I was? Is she on them, or was it just a stylized lady a, with long it, hair? It's a stylized portrait of her. Oh. That is very confusing. <sighs> Does Danielle Steele have herself on her novel? No! So... She's playing an author named Sophie, which I didn't get at first because her character's name is Emma. So I thought she was Emma. It was a whole thing. So she's like, her fans, she's a a very famous writer, but her fans are angry with her about something. 
And I was so ready for this to be an anti-canceling thing. Same. Same. I was like, oh, who did she? Oh, no, she put in an insensitive racial stereotype Literally, that's what I thought it was. I was like, what racial slur did she accidentally use in some interview? Quote, unquote, accidentally. But I think we're, you know, we're supposed to like her, so they couldn't have it be anything. Which, like, I have a few script doctors if we have the energy for it at the end, and this is one of them. But she goes on the Drew Barrymore show, which, again, makes me feel like we're in the- Is that a real show? I think so. Oh, okay. Which makes me feel like we're in the Truman Show again. And I did love her red suit. I thought her red suit was great. Oh, yes, it was great. Great. Yeah. So apparently she has this character named Winston, who is a fan favorite, and she kills him, and her fans are, like, revolting over that, which... They are they are picketing with signs. Which... Is I, crazy. Yeah. And look, I've read... I will admit to reading like a few Nicholas Sparks books. Everybody <laughs> dies in those books. I mean, the like no one gets the happy ending that they are. Okay. So you know. there is like a real life example and like spoilers for Divergent. Okay. But there's a real life example of this kind How of happening. Spoil Divergent. It's like 15 years old. Yeah. I, maybe if someone's still getting to it, but, okay. and I actually didn't read them, but I know that the main character of Divergent. So she's like, you know, the female, the teenage female heroine of Divergent dies at the end of the trilogy. Oh, I didn't know that. And like fans were super, super, super angry and they are still angry at her. And a lot of critics are still angry at her. And she's like, uh, no hashtag, no regrets. Like this was, (laughs) this was, I had this ending in mind the whole time. This is what needed to happen. And so I will say, like, she's she was the analog that came to mind immediately. And I was like, okay. nobody was picketing outside her house, right? No, like, people they were on Twitter. They're on Twitter. Yes. Uh, or they were, it was, if it was 15 years ago, they were on Amazon leaving bad reviews or whatever. They weren't, nobody, nobody goes to a march with a sign for, like, you killed off a character. <laughs> it's not a thing. Right. And so she basically, she goes on Drew Barrymore show and is like, look, I ha- I'm the author. Like, I have you know, control over these characters. And this was the right thing to do. Like this was the right time for this to happen. And Drew Barrymore basically (laughs) says, are you sure that you can be objective because you've, you've recently gone through a divorce, which I understand that we needed that backstory. Yeah. But I don't think she was the right person to deliver it. No, that was an insane thing to say on a talk show. You'd never in a million years say that. And so then um, Sophie Brooke Shields goes on like an unhinged rant about how many different ways she could have killed this character. And then we cut to um, her in her fancy Manhattan apartment with her college age daughter, who I actually liked. I liked the mother daughter relationship. And she's like, look, I got to get, like, I got to, I, this is a mess. <laughs> and <laughs> we get some backstory about Sophie's dad. And he used to, you know, visit a castle or I guess he lived there. He lived on the grounds of a castle in Scotland. And, you know, she always wanted to go back with him. And so she decides to get away and go back to Dun Dunbar, which is the castle. That- which my nine-year-old caught me watching this movie in pieces. And he's like, Dum Dum Bar, like it's a lollipop. <laughs> dum Dum Bar. I just and imagine I like, oh, I his wish. version of the castle is just a like a bar, like Dylan's candy bar of for Dum Dums. <laughs> so we land in Edinburgh and we get some lovely shots. I thought of the Scottish countryside. 
Oh, whoever made this movie, like, loves Scotland, for I mean, sure. It is. It I imagine in the right time of year, it is beautiful. I'm wondering if, like, Brooke Shields, like, found out she or has, has known she's had Scottish ancestry and was just like, hey, you know, take me to Scotland and I'll work for scale or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think I... I would be interested in that because it did seem to me, I'm like, oh, that's actually like kind of a nice deal for her. Like do this and you get to go to Scotland and like we'll film there. And, you know, you don't have to, you don't, she doesn't get the deal in real life that she got in the movie, which is that she's got to live <laughs> in a drafty old room that leaks. <laughs> she gets to this inn in Dunbar and Carrie Elways is outside working. He's like a handyman kind of, but not really. We find out later. Treachery. And when, and when she gets out of the taxi, the dog this dog was kinda like the dog in um the lake house. <laughs> the dog is like the mastermind behind everything. So the dog like comes running up to her and she kind of loses her footing and falls directly into Carrie Elwes's arms. Of course. Of course. As if, you know, we didn't this movie's not forking around. Like we know exactly who's getting together. Then she checks in at the inn and Maisie, who is one of the women who I think she runs the inn, but she's part of this social circle that Marissa mentioned earlier, is sort of like very starstruck to meet her, but also is like, I'm glad you killed off Winston. And so she's like, oh, I can stay here. Cool. Like you guys. It's such a weird like, ah, people in Scotland are like smarter and better. Yeah, they understand. understand Yeah, it it was weird. Yeah, I don't know. Sophie talks to her editor who gets increasingly aggro crag over the course of the movie, but talks to her editor, her agent or whoever that was supposed to be. And she's like, yeah, I'm totally writing. But instead she just like goes for a bike ride. So she, she rides to the castle and the tour, like the official tour is over. Carrie always is outside. His name is miles, but we don't find that out for a little while. So I'm just calling him Carrie always is giving her a tour of the castle and like he decides to kind of give her a tour of the castle and the dog kind of gets all up on her again and this i did like this was fan service through and through he says this staircase was built clockwise apparently the best way to defend against a right-handed swordsman and i was like oh that's 100 princess bride i didn't oh i didn't get that yeah 100 percent you're right bride so I was like, oh, don't remind me of the better movie. <laughs> better movie. In the middle this of This is like that MST3K that yes. keeps referencing Casablanca. Yes. Like, stop Overdrawn. showing me your good movie in the middle of your crappy movie. Overdrawn at the memory bank. He leaves to go talk to some other guests. Like, we kind of get the sense that, like, they're very desperate for money at this castle. So he's mm-hmm. going off to, like, talk to some people who might want to rent it. And Sophie, like, sneaks off into the upper floors where she has not been allowed to go and she finds her ev- some evidence of her dad in the castle where apparently he had as a child like snuck into the castle and and started um carving his name into the door this is significant cuz it comes up again a couple times but he only got you know part of the way through it so she takes a picture of it and Carrie always sees her and is like hey um this is someone's house so like you know don't I was like, up. no, Brooke Shields, don't do it. And Brooke Shields was like, well, I have some personal history here. And he, I actually kind of appreciated this. He, I mean, he didn't let her talk, which was a little annoying. I was like, this could have been solved earlier. But, you know, he was like, oh, would you take like a 23 and me? And you found out you have some Irish, uh, Scottish ancestry. And I was like, I can understand that. Like a little bit of, yeah, you know. Too. And so, especially given his 
relationship to the castles that we find out in a little bit. So he kind of throws her out and she's like, oh, you're so irritating or whatever. And then she's back. At, she goes back to the inn and she's greeted by this little crew of knitters, which is the, the little social group that Marissa was mentioning earlier. So it's a young girl who, a young woman who is a baker, um, an older woman who is like super in love with her husband. There's Maisie who owns the inn or runs the inn. And there's a guy named Angus whose husband passed away and he is like, doesn't really talk. He seems to have, like, selective mutism. So Maisie says at one point that he hasn't spoken since his husband died. Right. But in the movie, I agree that it is selective. (laughs) It's deeply confusing and poorly considered. (laughs) Deeply confusing and poorly considered is the logline for this movie. So... (laughs) So Maisie, so she says like, oh, my dad, um, his last name was McGinty. And it turns out like the old knitter knew her dad from like way back in the day. And he's like, you know, uh, his family were the groundskeepers at Dundon Bar. And I've been, I was supposed to take my dad back like years ago, but we never got to go because he got sick. And Maisie is like, well, at least you saw Dundon Bar when it was a castle because it's up for sale now and so later we see carrie always what's that called shooting plates out of the sky skeet shooting shooting. so we later we see miles miles is his name we see miles skeet shooting and turns out he owns the castle he's the 12th duke of dunbar and he's reluctant to sell it but it turns out there's an offer and it's from sophie and she comes to kind of like help you know, move the deal along. And he's super arrogant and is like, I'm not selling to you. And she's like, all right, well, I, you know, you're, you know, being a jerk. So she walks away from the deal and his body man, like, I don't know who this guy was. He's like the steward. Yeah. You know, he's like the, I guess he's like the Lumiere to the, to (laughs) if, but there's no Cogsworth. There's no Cogsworth, but it's, he's like Lumiere to the, the, prince in um beauty and the beast so he's like listen uh you just walked away like you have ensured that we're gonna get foreclosed on like that's what you've just done so kind of with his tail between his legs miles goes back to the inn and um follows her there and says like listen i've had a change of heart i'll sell it to you but i want to make sure you can take care of it which like we don't see her doing much caretaking which is something that i really kind of wish we would have seen her like having to contend with the fact that this is an incredibly expensive and high maintenance project yeah and we never really see that we see it in disrepair but you know kind of and then we see it all decked out for the holidays but we don't see a progression over the 90 days but so she's he says like you can uh, move in with me and because i want you to see like what it takes to keep up the castle and, you know, if you make it through the new year, then it's yours or whatever. And so she signs the paperwork. And then Miles says to um, Thomas, who's his, who's the steward, like, oh, you know, I'm just going to make her so miserable that she's she'll leave and we can keep the deposit because the deposit's non-refundable. And then, you know, that'll pay for, you know, we won't get foreclosed on. 
And so Sophie arrives at the castle and with all of her stuff and she gets the quote unquote real tour, which is like, hey, this place is really dilapidated and, you know, someone died in this room and, you know, you're that gonna... turns out to be a lie. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> um, and like, you're going to live in this drafty room that we don't heat and it's, you know, Christmas time in Scotland. So have fun with that, which I it was, was like, never that's... cold enough. It was never cold enough. So I guess if it was 90 days, then really she got there in September, right? Okay. Yeah. But even towards the end, like, yeah, there's like a snow scene. But I was like, every time these people walk outside, it should be like, you can see their breath. You know, like Scotland is so far north. And this guy should be gray and it should be dark at 430. <laughs> uh, before 430, potentially. Yeah. depend Like right around Christmas, it should maybe be dark at like four. Yeah, that's true. Because the opposite, I, I went to Ireland in June many years ago, and it was still light out at 10 p.m. Yep. So the opposite would be true in yes. in the wintertime. So she finally, oh, oh, Miles, this is an interesting thing where Miles is an environmental engineer. Like he has, never comes up again. He ha- Well, it kind of comes up with the Christmas trees. Yeah. So he's sort of like, I mean, but that's the other thing. Like, if you're going to talk about the the responsibilities of owning the castle, she's also now responsible for all the land. And it seems like that's also a very complicated endeavor. Absolutely. And and she has absolutely, she seems to have absolutely no interest in that. <laughs> so he says, like, you know, like, I'm an, I studied environmental science and we do farming and sustainable agriculture and we do like um, forestry and all this stuff. Wind farm. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And then like, that's (laughs) kind of the end of that. And then while they're doing the tour, she shows him her father's name scratched into the door. Um, And apparently Miles's father like caught him doing that. So Miles's father, the 11th Duke of Dunbar, we find out is like kind of a, no, it was the grandfather. Oh, the grand. Oh, you're right. You're, you're correct. Miles's grandfather, who was kind of a hard ash, <laughs> he caught little uh, Sophie's dad and fired the whole the family. The wee McGinty. The... <laughs> and fired the whole family. And then I guess they were like, I guess we're going to America now. Like, congrats. Sounds legit to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Miles is like, oh, yeah, that sounds like my grandfather and also my dad. They both were kinds of were kind of like pieces of work. And Miles is also like, hey, McGinty is a really strong name. Like, you should kind of, you should stick with that. And then um, later at night, this dog is like all up in her biz. And she follows. I couldn't stand this dog. I also couldn't stand this dog. (laughs) Um, It only exists to get her from point A to point B closer to him. Like, physically in a space closer to him. That's the Mm -hmm. only reason the dog exists. So she follows the dog through the castle and accidentally walks in on miles in the bathtub and then he has a scene where he's like watching her freak out on the drew barrymore show the other thing i want to say is everybody is on a uh, on a like an effortless video call throughout this entire movie and they're in a (laughs) castle in scotland she's on like the third floor of a drafty castle from like the 1700s and she's like yeah does she have like a does she have like a like a hot spot (laughs) No, what I was going to say, like a um, like a repeater for the router. And, like, <laughs> I have like, no idea. Because he even says when he's giving her like the bad, the real you know, the tour, real tour yeah. he's like, Wi-Fi is really unreliable here. And yet everyone is on like a spotless video call. So the next morning, 
he's reading her book. So I guess he reads her the series of books throughout the the movie. Um, but he's reading her first book and a sort of like, oh, you kind of swindled me because you just sort of took lines from, you know, when she's pitching him on her buying the castle, she's like, this is home. And I was love at first sight when I saw this place. And like, that's kind of what her character says about the love interest in her book. But like, I don't know. It seemed a little weird to me to harp on that. Um, People have phrases that they like. Is this what we're mad about? Like, okay. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, so sure. the knitting ladies come over, uh, to the castle and they help her decorate her room and Maisie and Thomas have kind of like a little bit of tension and it's very like out of place. And it turns out they what do you dated mean out like, of place. What do you mean? They, they're never antagonistic to each other for the rest of the film. It's just in that one little bit. And yeah, you're not wrong. And then. You know, Sophie's like, what's that about? And it's like, oh, we dated for a while, but, you know, that was a long time ago. And Sophie's like, well, you're divorced now. Like, a she, lot of people she's in not this movie that are old. divorced. Do you know, like, Maisie's, like, 38. Like, <laughs> yeah. She doesn't seem to be that old. No. And then we get the... So the knitters kind of exist in this in this scene to give us the backstory of Miles and Dun Dunbar, like, and his family. Um, so Maisie says that Miles has a good heart, and then the old lady says, like, oh, he's a great landlord, which kind of reminded me of Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice, yes. When they do the home tour, and it's like, oh, you'll never meet a better master or a better landlord. (laughs) Um, I love Pride and Prejudice, and you're making fun of it. I'm not making fun of it. I, I love that movie and that book and everything about it. You know me. Um, but it did remind, like, that kind of reminded me, because he's been such a jerk and then you find out from other people in his orbit that, like, he actually is a good guy. He just... Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely a callback to that. So, sure. turns out he's... I didn't quite understand this because I didn't study um, ancient... English common law. Scottish neither. fiefdoms in school. <laughs> so, so he... His family, the the, you know, the Duke's lineage, I guess... They own the castle, but they also own all the land, which means that they are the landlord for this village of Dunbar. And um, he's selling off the castle to pay the debts on the land to protect the other people in the village. But None what of I, this made any sense. But what I didn't understand was from whom. Like, were they going to get evicted? But by whom? Didn't make any sense i'm glad i was not the only one who was confused no it didn't make any sense like because wouldn't they be paying money to his family if if he's the landlord i don't know asking me questions i can't (laughs) dear mr darcy how does your setup work (laughs) i i don't know i was baffled by that whole thing and i was just like you know this is like their their sales pitch for why he's actually a good guy like you should probably explain this like we understand what a mortgage is and what foreclosure is and what uh, you know that that normal house owning stuff like it's not clear to me necessarily why the castle is mortgaged in the first place yeah shouldn't his family just own it Right, but it's possible that, like, oh, we were hard up for cash once, so we, like, mortgaged the castle, right? Like, that's a possibility. And I'm, like, willing to go as far as, like, okay, that's a that's something I understand. But 
this whole thing about the whole entire town is riding on his generosity. Like, I don't get it. And I needed more of an explanation. But also, I don't care enough. So, it's fine. And we find out, too, that his father squandered their family money and kind of, like, left him with nothing but a title. So maybe there's something in there, but you're right. Like I kind of, I didn't understand. You're correct that this is the turn for Brooke Shields to be like, oh, he does have a good heart and he's like looking out for these people, but he just is prickly. Right. But yeah, I don't understand how it works. He's like prickly, but I think moreover, he's like resentful that he has to sell this place. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a bunch of stuff that's actually fairly understandable, like, on an emotional level, but it's actually not understandable on a technical level. (laughs) Yeah, on a financial level. Yeah, it doesn't really add up. Yeah, I mean, look, and I want to be clear, like, I don't have a quarrel with anybody's acting necessarily in this movie. I don't know how you felt about it. Because I thought he... I thought they both did a pretty good job. I have some issues with his accent, but I thought he they both did a pretty good job. <laughs> I was fine with it. So Sophie video chats her daughter. Again, clear as day video chat with her daughter. <laughs> and Sophie's like, hey, you should come out here for Christmas. And Sophie's daughter is like, yeah, dad's Her getting... name is Lexi. Lexi, yes. Thank you. She's like, yeah, dad's getting married to what's her name on, on Christmas. And... Let's give her a horrible name. Me and you. Brunhilde. (laughs) And Sophie's like, oh, right. Okay. Uh, uh, You know. And Miles kind of walks in the background and she's like, oh, this is my daughter. And Lexi's kind of like, hey, oh. And she's like, okay, I gotta go. She slams the laptop down. which I Get it, mom. Get it, get it, get it. I did. The way that you sort of uncomplicatedly enjoyed the the people in the village, I sort of uncomplicatedly enjoyed the mother-daughter relationship and the fact that, like, Lexi is very happy for her mom to, you know, go find someone else to be with. You know, she's not... She would be... It would be pretty churlish of her to begrudge her mother a, a dating life when her father cheated on her, right? That's true. That's true. But there were, there. you know, I just mean like, you know, she's not like, mom, you know, isn't it too soon or whatever? Like, she's just like, get a girl. And then her mom's like, okay, bye. And so she closes <laughs> the laptop. And this is where we have the conversation where um, Sophie says, you know, my, uh, I had a uh, husband, but, you know, he left me and um, we get uh, Miles's backstory, which is that he was also once married, but uh, I think this is what you have a comment about, which is that um, he is a duke and his former wife left him for someone of a higher rank. Left him for a bigger title, which means, I hope you're ready for this, his ex-wife was Camilla Parker Bowles. <laughs> I just blew your mind. Are we going to get a crossover between A Castle for Christmas and The Crown? Maybe. There is no higher title than Duke unless you are talking about king or prince. Therefore, given the ages of the people involved in this... Camilla Parker Bowles. His ex-wife is Camilla Parker Bowles. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> I mean, I I cracked their code. You got to give that to me. 
Camilla. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm never going to get over that. How is that not... I mean, that is just laziness. That is just screenwriter laziness. To not know. To not bother to look up that there is no higher title than duke other than prince and king yeah i mean he could have said like she left me when my money was all gone sure yeah but instead we get (laughs) camilla parker balls (laughs) in the role of a lifetime (laughs) (laughs) so he's like hey i want to show you something And they go out for a drive. And again, beautiful, beautiful scenery. Scotland is gorgeous. And they take, he takes her to like a local site that's kind of significant to the history of Dunbar and tells the story of the first Duchess of Dunbar, who I guess fighting, they're fighting some. The English, let's be real. Yeah, yeah, probably. Fighting the English, probably. And she like goes to this ancient well and is like please give me strength and leaves a necklace there and then she goes and she fights and she had the heart of a warrior and then she meets a guy um on the battlefield and as you do as you do great mulan Mulan. proved to us that it's a great place to meet a husband (laughs) sir she brings home a sword if you ask me she should have brought home a man (laughs) so sign me up for the next war Oh, grandma. Um, so uh, everybody should watch Mulan <laughs> instead Not of Not the remake. No, 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 no. The, the late 90s animated masterpiece. So, you know, she had the heart of a warrior. She, she meets this other soldier. He's a commoner. They get married at Dun Dunbar on Christmas Eve and they open up, you know, the castle to the entire town and she's like, oh, we should do that. And he's like, what? And she's like, I mean, we should invite the whole village over. And then they go back to the pub and there's like this nice Scottish pub dance break of them all sort of like singing along to a song, a uh, Scottish song. Oh, we have to talk about the the music in this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> do you want to go off for a minute on the music here? So the music is split between like normal, like instrumental scoring, which is just when you have the Netflix captions on, it just means that every time someone's not talking, it has little brackets and it says instrumental Scottish music. (laughs) Yeah. Which I found to be like, it was anodyne. It was fine. However, (laughs) there are also scenes that are scored with sung music. Um, music that I had never heard before. These were not like popular songs that, you know, whatever. No, no one's ever heard them before. I can guarantee you. They are so intrusive and yes, so inappropriate. Is the perfect word. <laughs> and so weird and, and tuned up so loud as though Netflix believed that the soundtrack to this movie was going to be like a big hit down at FYE. <laughs> And they really had to, it's like, we're aging ourselves. <laughs> just a little, I didn't say the wall. Okay. <laughs> and so they just had to, you know, throw all these bangers onto the, you know, the soundtrack of the movie. And it was just like, what is happening? It is right I, now. I think you said before, like the demographics of this movie are like older women 
and I, you know, I agree with that. And the soundtrack is for like a Disney Channel original movie. Mm. Like the the music that they choose is like very young, very like poppy, you know, or we'll get to it in a bit of a very poorly placed um, like Christ, Christmas hymnal. <laughs> um, so Glory. I'm so glad we get Marissa singing. <laughs> In Excelsis Deo. <laughs> so they go back to the castle. How you like my hot coral styling? I love it. I love it. They go back to the castle and they stand very close to each other. Uncomfortable. Look, I have had romantic relationships with people who I would not stand that close to for that length of time. <laughs> not, like, just not, 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 you know, you can kiss somebody, but like. Just standing practically nose to nose, staring at each other, not speaking, not doing anything. That's like a that's like a trust fall kind of exercise. I was so uncomfortable. It's also like, not like it happened for a moment and then they Right, and then released. they like composed themselves and you know, whatever. No, it's like it's like they're frozen there and I'm just like I'm sitting there on the couch like no! <laughs> Also, stop it! It is kind of a funny thing because I had that was one moment where I was like, "You both are too old to do to play oh, this." Oh kind my of god! Game. There's so much in this movie that I'm like, "You are too old for this nonsense." Yeah, I agree. And then he was like, "It wasn't a date. That wasn't a date. What we just did." And I was, I like, couldn't believe how much like bad dialogue along those lines there was. Like, wasn't a date, or like one that kept coming up was. You know, we did this or whatever. It's like there is no us, there, right? There, there is, is no, no us. We, yeah. Or, or they said it both ways, and it's just yeah, like, yeah. it's just like, what? Why are you talking like, you know, uh, you know, a young millennial? <laughs> I'm an elder millennial, so I'm talking about <laughs> the young millennials. You know, someone who's like on the TikTok, like 29 right now, not necessarily on TikTok, but someone who's like 29 right now, a young millennial, you know, and is like out Lower on the scene. Lower me into the crypt. and is like out on the scene like maybe has like a friends with benefits with like an old college roommate and then they're like discussing it's like maybe we could go to your sister's wedding like there is no we like we're not an item we just we're just physical only like the fact that they are talking like this is so absurd i'm loving this other movie that you're writing though (laughs) (laughs) we should work on that over christmas break No, I agree with you. I agree. It's, it's... I don't understand how you are Netflix and you spend the ungodly amount of money it takes to A, pay Brooke Shields, yes. B, pay Carrie Elwes, yes. and C, rent an entire Scottish castle and village for however long it takes to film this and fly everybody out and all that, and not pay a screenwriter enough money to write a decent script. Like, why is that the thing that you're scrimping on? I guess they're just sort of hoping that people will tune in for Brooke Shields, right? Well, I did. You know why? Because of you. What'd you say? Because of you! Because of me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, it's a month later, and Sophie's editor calls... And is like, your career depends on this what next book. What was which... this woman's 
problem. Look, he, she, if her Sophie career doesn't has, depend on this next book because she has the money to buy a castle and pay off everybody's mortgages in the town. Spoiler. Thank you. She has 12 best-selling books, enough money to buy a castle. Her editor is doing fine. Do you think that people are banging down the door of like J.K. Rowling like, you have to write another book! We're all gonna starve here! Like, come on! So, this is a little inside, a little peek inside my life, but I, I just did a, um, a workshop this week about memoir writing, and um, the, the, the person who, um, who led the workshop sort of took us through one day, like, the business of of it was for comics so the business of comics and they were explaining how an advance works which i never actually dug into at all and they were like yeah so you know if you get like there's a there's a whole bunch of math you probably know this marissa but there's a whole bunch of math a little bit yeah there's a whole bunch of math that the publishing company does and they figure out what your advance is and then you only receive royalties for a book after you meet your advance number Yes. And the person who was leading the workshop said 80% of books never reach their, never pay out, never reach their advanced numbers. Uh, yeah, that, you know, that tracks. Sure. So I'm sitting here going, if this woman has enough money to, as an author, like a full-time author, she's not doing anything else, has enough money to have that really sweet apartment in New York, buy a castle... <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not like she, it doesn't sound like she came from money. Like her family was, no, the, she's the a very humble family. Yeah. And they lived in Queens and, you know, so she made that money herself. I was like, you are one of the 20% of people who obviously are getting like royalty checks out the wazoo for all your books, which more power to you, but you are fine. You are fine. A. And that also means you're correct. Your editor is fine. Everybody in this situation is fine. Nobody, the nobody is desperate, right? And the idea that I think, like, oh, you have to save your career with this next book, like, doesn't really track. It's not. I would, I would understand this if this was more like a sophomore effort. Like, if she had one, oh, for sure, good book, and then she felt a lot of pressure for book number two. But yeah, no, it makes no, it makes no worth. Okay, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, Sophie is interrupted by a tour and then like, she's very charming and everybody loves her and she gets all these. She's famous. Yeah. And she gets all these facts wrong about Scottish history. And (laughs) then she goes back to the inn and Miles follows her. And this, this I thought made no, no kind of sense. He was like, he's like, this is too much. And like, you're up at everybody's business and like you're leading tours and you're over at the inn and my dog likes you better than he, than he likes me. And like, this, I'd be mad about that too. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, this wasn't part of the deal. And she was like, Oh, you mean that deal where you try to scare me off so that you can keep my deposit? I'm not an idiot. And I was like, okay, I'm glad that she has at least the business sense to know, you know, she's like, I can read a contract. I'm like, yeah, that actually does track for me. Yes. And she's like, look, I'm not going to give up on the castle. So you're stuck with me. Bye. And so later back at the castle, Miles, she like. Back at the castle. Back at the castle. She finds Miles like at the door where her father had carved his name in. And she's like, oh, are you getting rid of my father's name? You're just like trying to erase me. But, it, you know, he has filled in the rest of the name McGinty. 
And this I actually thought was very cute. She says, is this your, this your way of apologizing? He says, it is not. And she goes, I accept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were like little glints yes. of clever writing that you're like, was this like, um, you know, how Carrie Fisher would come in? What's it called? <laughs> Script Doctor? No. I, is that what it's called? Punch Up? Some, punch punch up. up. Yeah. Like, did they have someone come and do Punch Up? And like, that's the only stuff in this that I liked. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe, I mean, it's possible they also ad-libbed. Oh, maybe. You know, because I think, you know, they're both charismatic people. So I think, you know. Then she's like, it's a week before Christmas. She's got writer's block. And... She keeps typing these sentences that I'm like, oh, girl. The wind was calling to her. Yeah, stuff like that. And at one point, she's trying to be like, Winston isn't really dead. Like, you know, the yes, it was his evil twin. Yeah. Um, But she gets rid of that, which I I was happy about. And then she's like, hey, we need a or no, he brings her a dresser and they kind of like flirt a little bit, which I thought was cute. Yeah, it's a little bit like it's the same thing you were talking about with the punch up. Like, it does seem like they punched up this a bit where, you know, he's like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll send you a dresser. Just like, you know, let me know when you get back to New York. And she's like, oh, you have to send me your forwarding address because she's like, I'm not leaving the castle. So then she's like, hey, I want a Christmas tree. They go out and look for a Christmas tree. And in like, I mean, this truly looked like Narnia. I was like, we've wandered into (laughs) Narnia. And he brings, like, two little baby conifers and is like, every time we cut down a tree, we have to, you know, plant two new trees. Because I went to Oxford and Cambridge. Yeah, that comes up a bunch. And look, if I went to Oxford and Cambridge, I'd probably never stop talking about it. Oh, yeah. No, I have a friend, a good friend who went to Stanford. And when I found found that out, I was like you went to Stanford? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I would, that's how I would introduce myself. He's like, there is a type of person who does that. And, you know, I don't want to be that type of person. I was like, that's fair. And Miles is like, hey, you should, or no, she says, um, she says, you know, this is going to be the first Christmas I'm spending without my daughter. And Which he's is like, hard. That's I, hard. That is really hard. I mean, speaking as we all spent Christmas apart last year, that was really hard. So. Yeah, no kidding. And he's like, listen, why don't you invite her? And she's like, oh, you know, she's what's going her to her name? dumb dad's dumb <laughs> her wedding. Her dumb dad's dumb wedding. And is there, there's a point in here, and I'm sorry if you have this in the notes. I don't think you do. There is such a red herring in this movie where a man and a woman. Someone check checks in- into the hotel? Yes. <laughs> is it in the notes and I missed it? So it was in the notes. Let me tell you, it was in the notes. <laughs> Nothing ever happens with it. So I took it out of the notes. because It I, was confounding. I was like, "I is this the ex and his That's new what I wife? thought, but he had a British accent. So I was like, oh, this is a little confusing. Hmm. Maybe it's someone who works for the bank. Or maybe that's like the people who hold the mortgage on the tenant's land. Or maybe it's another they're, offer. They're going to offer. They're going to offer. Or it's the buy. people who are going to get married on the castle. And there's going to be. A, but I'm telling you guys. Please believe me when I say. There is this extremely ominous scene. Yes. Yes. Where a, a strange man. Brit- he's he's English I should say. They're all British. He's an English man. He comes to the desk. He talks to Maisie. He says we want to check in for tonight. And she's like, oh, you don't have a reservation. The only thing left is the romance package. And he's like, well, and then a woman looms behind him and says, we'll take it. And then, you know, Maisie's like, well, what name is it? Or I think they say like McGillicuddy or something. I don't, I I don't know. Donatelli. Sure, whatever. 
And then it's like, and then she's like, there's champagne. They're like, mm, good. And I was like, oh my God, who are these people? I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm biting my nails. Who are these people? They never appear again. You're I, so can, right. I can't. Like, what? What excise storyline did these people belong to? There was a hundred percent an excise story. And whoever was the editor was terrible at their job. Shame on on everybody involved. Like, I'm I'm trying to think of a good analogy. And, you know, it's as if you're watching Pride and Prejudice. Okay. And all of a sudden there's a scene of, like... There's another empty house, you know, not just Netherfield Park. Over here, there's a house, you know, um, Mandingus Ballroom. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, Mandingus. And it's like, Mr. Bennett, have you heard? Mandingus Ballroom has been rented out to a spectacular man with, with 40000 a year. And then, oh, really? And then it never comes up again. <laughs> Oh my god, Mandingus Ballroom. <laughs> it's premiering right after Placebo Boulevard. At this point, we have enough content to start our own streaming, streaming service. service. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you're totally right. I, I'm imagine as you were talking, I was imagining like the premiere party for this movie. <laughs> the people who played those roles were. I wasn't even thinking about them. I was thinking about the editor whose job it was <laughs> to like make sure that we, we just excise that entire storyline. And then there's that one scene and everyone turns around and that <laughs> editor is like <laughs> trying to like disappear into the <laughs> fabric of the curtains. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, you're correct. I didn't bring it up because it had absolutely no bearing on the plot, but it, is hilarious to talk about. So I mean, but it's just like another, like it's fairly obvious that Netflix spent very little money on the script and very little money on the editing. Yes. Like as little as, and music as little as they could get away with. And it's like, why, why would you cheap out on these things that are so fundamental to this project uh, being not horrible? You know, as you are talking about this other like those other people, I really wonder if that's why the ending kind of feels like rushed. Cause I wonder if it was a reshoot. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if they had this like whole other storyline about somebody else coming to, you know, buy the castle and they've got to make a decision or, you know, maybe they offer him the money and maybe he doesn't want to sell anymore or something like that. And I mean, could have been any number of things, but it was something. Or I they thought were, it was they were ex. the antagonists. Yeah, they 100% were, and we got them for three seconds. I thought it was her ex. Yes. I mean, I did into, until I heard the accents. And then I was like, well, it doesn't really make any sense for them to be British then. Yeah. But who knows? Because, I mean, uh, yeah, you're correct. I But I do. That's interesting because I wonder if, if they, you know. I, I wonder if that's why the ending feels a little squished. Um, so I'm just looking back in our notes. Sorry. Yeah. I no, totally no. Us. I mean, you have that absolutely needed to be a tangent because I cut it out of the notes because they never appeared again, but uh, it's worth talking about because it is, I think it goes to like the larger story of the movie production. 
so you know ta- they, they're back at the castle and like the lights go out and they have a bunch of candles and thomas is like hey you have feelings for her and miles is like ah like he just, just is like ah. yeah you know the most scottish um phlegm situation <laughs> so sophie apparently can get Saks fifth avenue delivered to this tiny village sure why not and um, she basically has god level money so whatever she does yeah that's true so she brings all the knitters like these gifts these these clothes for the oh they're doing a party on christmas eve yes to in honor of the warrior duchess the heart of a warrior (laughs) and so she brings a bunch of dresses and suits and all that and she's like hey i found this like beautiful tartan dress in the castle i don't know if it fits me and the old lady's like i can alter it for you it's the day of the party it sure is or like maybe it's a day before no is is the the party no because they have to they have to do the thing first it's awfully close to the day of the party. It's like the day before. It's it's very close. So Sophie is like um, trying on the dress in the castle. And again, the dog steals her Ugh. slipper. And he uh, was super aggressive. And I was like, I don't care for this one bit. And this I also thought Miles comes out of his room, sees her in this beautiful sort of black and tartan dress. And I'm assuming so like tartans in Scotland are Culturally significant. Culturally significant, and, and I'm assuming that's his family's tartan. And shrug emoji. It's never specified. Well, he says, you shouldn't be wearing that. And I was like, who did this dress belong to that he's having such right. a bad reaction? Right, was it reaction? his mother's? Yeah. Right, right. Was it, like, my my ex-wife's dress that she left sure. here? Yeah. It never gets Camilla explained. Camilla Parker Bowles' dress Camilla. is just here in this my god <laughs> so, so she's wearing camilla's dress she's wearing camilla's dress and he's like hey you shouldn't be wearing that and she's like oh why and then he just kisses her i will say i liked the fact that they had some mommy daddy time oh <laughs> gross <laughs> um adult <laughs> fun time everything sounds sure gross. that's better <laughs> um i but i liked that they had that i like that because i was talking to mom about they're too old for this nonsense yes and i was talking to mom about you know um they always mom and dad always razz me for watching the hallmark channel when i'm home and i went home for they things- have cable come on mom i and know <laughs> and i was i watched a lot of it over thanksgiving weekend because of course and Oh, yeah, your mom was talking to me like, your sister, watching these dumb movies. Whatever. <laughs> it's so, the world is so awful right now. Can you yes. let, le- let me live? So one of the things I said to mom about it, because she was like, I don't really get why you like these. And I was like, well, they're really fluffy and I don't expect much out of them. But I was like, you're, you're correct. She was correct in that they're not really indicative of the way that like adults in their 30s would date each other yeah court exactly like i've said to mom like it's not like this starts with a one night stand and then the guy doesn't call her back and then they like run into each other at a bar it's like you know there's no sex there's like a chase kiss at at the end right like 
there's enough, there's almost no physical affection in the whole thing. So I do like in this movie that you get at least a hint that there is more affection behind closed doors, physical affection behind closed doors, that you're not like, they kiss one time and like, that's the extent of their physical compatibility. I agree that that was totally the right choice, that they needed to just do the thing and they did it. So great. You want to talk about the music again? Oh my God. I was like, texting Brianna, like, this is not real life. They, uh, they, they, he pulls her into her, into his bedroom and they're like saying like, oh, we shouldn't do this. Like, but we're going to do whatever. The, as the door's closing, it bursts into like, you know, in excelsis deo. And I was like, okay, the sex is that good? Is that... (laughs) It's so good that it's comparable to the birth of Jesus. <laughs> it was a very weird song I, to have was, over that. It, it, and, there, and the rest of the music in the movie is secular. And, and yes. a lot of them, a lot of the lyrics are like on the nose, like, you know, I don't you know. Boy, girl stuff. When you look in her eyes, you see everything. She is everything. Right? Like, just garbage. Garbage music. (laughs) And, like, that would have been a perfectly logical, crappy, but logical song to play in this this moment. And instead, it is a very solemn Christian hymn. (laughs) Solemn is the perfect word for it. Like, they, like, the music supervisor, I think, (laughs) is actually a Roomba. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my God. They hooked the Roomba up to Spotify and they just let its internal random number generator pick some songs. <gasps> okay. Alright. Let's, let's bring let's bring the temperature down. So the Roomba is playing at Excelsior's Deo. And the next morning uh, they get uh breakfast they have like I a really guess. they have like a really nice breakfast while the so it's christmas eve the room is the ballroom's being set up for the um big party and they have this like nice little breakfast and um then they go out they have a montage where they're dancing in the ballroom and also frolicking in the snow and then you know she says like hey i've been thinking like you know they just had this lovely night together and they've been spending more time together She's like, hey, I've been thinking that, like, maybe after Christmas you don't have to leave. Like, you can stay here. And he's like, oh, cool. Like, you're inviting me to be a guest in the house that, you know, is my family's ancestral home. And, you know, I don't want to be... What would I be? Would I be a tenant? Would I be a renter? It's like, it was really, it was just weird. It was very weird. And he was like, you know, I don't want to be Mr. Emma Gale, which is like... What are you talking about, bruh? It's also like, you know, it's it's kind of strange for him to, at this point, develop um, insecurities, insecurities about yeah. her success, given the fact that, like, you'd think that he grew up around 
the most successful people, right? Like, he was born into that life. And he went to Oxford and Cambridge. Yeah, so, like, it seems very strange. And she's like, oh this my... This is 100% a last-minute rewrite situation. I think that whoever... Yeah, you're correct. That whatever was supposed to happen with those other two people, for whatever reason, got cut out. Maybe it was a COVID thing for whatever reason, got cut out and they had to like figure Gin up an emotional yes, conflict. Yes, they had to like figure out some other emotional conflict because this made barely any sense. So she like leaves in a huff. And this was another part to your point about like the writing being really bad where she was like, oh, I thought we had something here. And he's like, there is no we. It's like, you just did the dang thing last <laughs> night. There is a we now. Like whether or not that is like forever is maybe a conversation to be had, but you can't be like, Oh, no commitments here. Like <laughs> you're too old for that. So then, um, she, leaves. and I just off the top of my head, I was like, there are so many ways that this could have been a conflict between them. Right. It could have been like, Oh, am I like, you know, are, did you get with me just so that you could stay in the house? Yes. Or yes. it could be, did you seduce me because you know I have infinite god money and you just wanted, you know, some financial to be able... security? Right. Is this basically a Downton Abbey kind of marriage, right? The, I've you never know, watched the... Downton Abbey. Oh, okay. So the premise of Downton Abbey is that Downton Abbey is uh, Lord Grantham. I don't know what his title is. It's not as high as Duke, though. So say it's like Count. I don't know. But. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> He, and this apparently was like a really common thing, you know, around 1900, was that he married an American woman because he had the title and no money and she had the money and no title because there's no titles in America because this is America. (laughs) And it was like, apparently it was super common that like, this was like how you got an infusion of cash into your like royal bloodline or whatever was that you married an American heiress. And so... That's like a, a like it's a cultural trope, and it's like that could have been a thing. Like, are you are you with me for my money? Yeah, you know, is my money a, a, an object of desire for you? Which, like, come on, let's be real. Yeah, if some guy switching the genders here because I'm straight, but if I'm like a divorced older woman, and there's some guy who seems to be interested in me, and he also has infinite god money, like that's probably going to factor into my decision making, right? Yeah, yeah, or. A- any number of potential I like you I think you had some others that you might have thought were better I don't I didn't have any script doctors specifically for this for this um scene mm-hmm. but I do think like you know the the sort of I think there could have been like an outside I think you you hit on the stuff that could have been an internal conflict between the two of them or it could have been maybe like, you know, something goes wrong and she needs to go back to America for some reason. And, mm. you know, he says, I don't want you to go. I thought we had something here. And she says, you know, I've got to go back for X and such reason. And, you know, they have that kind of a conflict. But yeah, this was a very strange. I, I think you really would need an external pressure, which I, I think was that excise storyline that we saw three seconds of with those ominous people, the Mandingus ballroom people. <laughs> so she leaves in a huff and Thomas is like, you're a dingbat, basically. Like, 
you know, what good is a castle if like you're here all alone, right? And you know, because he he does say he's like, without this castle, I have nothing left. Which I think, you know, I do think there's some emotional honesty in like this place is my ancestral home. It's all my family's ever known. And if I sell it, like it's becoming real that I'm selling it to you. And like, what am I going to do next? You know, that's a very... Except that she literally just offered to right. have you stay. Which is I mean... why that doesn't make a ton of sense. It, maybe he's like, he could say, well, I'm worried. Like, what happens if we don't work out? Then I'll have to leave. Yeah, but... <sighs> that's not what happens you know that's not the conflict yeah and so this i also thought was a little like squished and rushed but basically sophie stops by the inn and she's like goodbye everybody like i made a mistake this was so crazy this was she, she only has to stay in the castle until is it christmas or new year's new year's i think she has to stay in the castle one more week with a dude that she slept with and she now regrets Listen, lady, I, you know, <laughs> I agree. Come on. Like, I'm, there I, are so I, many I, rooms I, in this on. castle. You don't have there to see There are so him. many rooms. It's like living in a small town with someone you slept with and regret. Like, just. Or Which like, I have done. Out. Okay. <laughs> no, that's not true. Go hang out with your knitting friends all day and then go and go straight to your room at night. Like, you don't have to see this guy. And then in a week, you'll have the castle that you love. Like, why are you? Why? And also, I had a, I had kind of a structural issue with the fact that, like, she goes back and she's like, I gotta go. And everybody's like, it's Christmas Eve. Like, you can't leave. And she's like, no, I really gotta go. Because I'm, like, so heartbroken or whatever. And then, like, the the car breaks down on the way to the airport. And everybody's Which like... I think was sabotage. I... Yeah, I think so, too. And then it's just like, well, you can't, like, I guess you gotta still, you know... Uh, be here because it's Christmas Eve and we're all going to this your party and she's like okay well have fun I'm gonna be like in my pajamas which is what happens um they all go to the party and at she, the inn at the I think she's at the inn right so she's yeah. at the inn but everybody at the inn is going to the castle for the party right and she's in, in, in her- question mark including the mysterious English people <laughs> yeah do not know but it was almost like you know, the, one of the things that I thought was like, let her get to the airport. Let him like really chase her down, you know, like, or let her get to the airport. And my sort of, well, I, I'll talk about it later, but like, let, you know, it's like, she's like, let I really, there be some tension. let there be some tension. She's like, I really got to go. And then she's just in the same town. And then he, so she's in her PJs. It's that night. And she calls her, her daughter to say merry christmas but she gets the daughter's voicemail and i was like oh i know what that means and then oh i did not figure this out by the way oh really i thought oh, it was very bt sweet. dubs what? so so brianna just gave it away you know the daughter's coming to to scotland for christmas yeah which means that this man carrie elwes contacted the daughter arranged with her to get on a plane so let's say he did this like a week ago yeah and then on the night that the daughter's supposed to arrive, he picked a fight with her mother. <laughs> like, oh, you're right. What? I didn't think about that <laughs> timing. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you think it would almost be like she'd be like, "Hey, I was thinking like maybe after Christmas you could stay," and he'd be like, "Yeah, I'll think about that." Sure, I'll think about that, and then and then we get you know, I don't know the like you said, what extremely 
ill-conceived and makes no sense, or what did you say at the beginning? Something like that. <laughs> so, Miles arrives at the inn on horseback in a kilt, which, I mean, I didn't mind. Um, and <laughs> he's, he... he's sawn his own leg off to get to her. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, she comes down and he... You know, he throws a snowball at her first and really beans her. <laughs> yes. And then she comes down and throws a snowball at him as he's riding away. And he's like, look, it just hit me that I'm losing the castle. And that's really hard. But also, like, I'd rather lose the castle than lose you. And I'm falling in love with you. And he's like, and she's like, I fall in love with you, too. And then they kiss. She's instantly dressed. <laughs> they go to the party. <laughs> I thought Brooke Shields looked great in this dress. Oh, for sure. She looks great. She looks great in everything. Look, she's Brooke Shields. I know. I know. You know, think think of all the things you could do if you were Brooke Shields. <laughs> I mean, nothing comes between me and my Calvins, right? Like, that is quintessential Brooke Shields. So she looks great in her tartan dress. And they do a Scottish dance that I kind of thought looked like the horror. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, how many cultures have let's dance in a circle traditions? Every single of one of them. Yeah. And then Miles gives a speech about being with the people that you love at Christmas. And... Except this this comes out of nowhere. Like, Christmas is nothing in this movie. Like, yeah, okay, they go and cut down a tree, and they're going to have this Christmas Eve ball. But it's not about Christmas. It's about no. this duchess who got married. And this is like a, a, a tradition that just happens to be around Christmas time. There's never, never a discussion between Brooke Shields and Carrie Elwes about, like, the true meaning of Christmas. I always loved Christmas. Oh, I always hated Christmas. They have a little bit of that when they're cutting on the Christmas tree, and she talks about how it's her first Christmas away from her daughter. But she doesn't... You're right. What we get in a Hallmark movie that we don't get in this movie is the female protagonist talking about these were my old traditions and I will miss this a lot. And, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do without them. Like she didn't, like we could have had more from her about like, Oh, when I was married and Lexi was little, we used to do it up really big for the holidays. And I always took her to the Rockefeller center Christmas tree and we would go ice skating and all these things. Right. Like we could have had a little bit more backstory about, how her traditions have changed now that she's single again and now that her daughter's grown because I but think I just mean true. like Carrie Elwes <laughs> says like she taught me the true meaning of Christmas I'm like no she did not that discussion never occurred you liar she taught me the true meaning of getting together on Christmas 23rd or Christmas 23rd <laughs> December 23rd <laughs> Oh, Lord. Put me to sleep. So, she... So, um, Lexi comes in. And I actually thought that was very sweet. It was totally sweet. I'm a... Su- look, I'm I'm a mom. I'm a sucker for, you know, moms getting to see their babies. Yeah. And she... This I thought was great. She's like, honey, what about your father's wedding? And she just goes, I'll go to the next one. Yeah, that was pretty... That was a sick burn. And yeah, I loved it. that was a sick burn. And then on Christmas morning... The daughter is, Lexi is there, and Sophie is in this, like, beautiful room that's all decked out for Christmas, and she's starting her new book called Heart of a Warrior, and then Miles comes in and gives her a necklace, which I think is supposed to be reminiscent of the necklace that this duchess put out at this well. Oh, yeah, I missed that. You're right. Uh, I think, because they, you know, they don't explain it otherwise, and he's like, I got you something, and it looks like a necklace, and I was like, okay, I, I think we're supposed to make that connection. 
that's the end of the movie and then we get like a sequence over the credits which i think it was supposed to be like her back on the drew barrymore show promoting heart of a warrior but it's also outtakes yeah it was terrible (laughs) i was like i kind of like this because they're you know drew barrymore and brooke shields are i i assume they're friends I assume so, too. I assume that's how Drew Barrymore got dragooned into this. Uh, oh, I'm sure they paid her handsomely. Don't worry about her. Yeah, that's true. So that's the end. Oh, man. So <laughs> we have talked a lot about our what we would change or what we thought was weird. I had a few more I wanted to run by you, and then, you know, we're we're coming up on an hour and a half, which is about the runtime of this movie. So <laughs> so I would say the at, at first, like, just make the whole beginning easier. Like, don't make her have a freak out. I would say it's much easier if, like, she was really riding high and then she kind of had this, like, middling release because she's uninspired. Like, this happens in Hallmark movies all the time where you have, you know, someone's a writer and they've, like, lost their spark because they went through a breakup or they don't know the meaning of Christmas or whatever the heck. Yeah. And so... What was the, what was the fake author in that Philadelphia bookstore? Oh, Anthony John... Cleaver Parks. What? Jeez, Brianna. <laughs> you know why? Because I listened to that episode of, a couple weeks ago because I... Aww. Yeah. Um, and I remember us saying, Anthony Cleaver Parks. <laughs> um, and so... There's, you know, that's a pretty common, but I would also say like, you know, there's a Kate Winslet movie called The Holiday, which I really like, that she decides to spend her Christmas, you know, on vacation basically because she has an ex who just got engaged and she doesn't want to be around him for the holidays. And I was sort of like, why not? The beginning of the book, she's like, oh, I got to get away because my ex is getting married to her, to his new affair partner, affair yeah. partner on Christmas. And it's all over the tabloids. I got to get away from here. I got to go to the like bloids. some small town in the bloids. I got to go to some small town where they don't get the bloids. Yes. You know, sure. that would be much simpler because otherwise she, cause you start out the movie being like, this lady's unhinged. Like, why did she have that like full freak out? I think it's much more relatable if she's just like, oh, I don't want to be around my husband's wedding planning. Basically. Who among us has not changed continents to get away from an ex? An ex of mine did it to get away from me. <laughs> I don't know if it was to get away from me, but he definitely did leave the continent after we broke up. So um so um (laughs) i had a couple more we talked about the ending a little bit like i would say let her get to the airport i almost wanted it to be like she gets to the airport and then she sees her daughter coming out the arrivals gate and is like Mm. what are you doing here and she's like oh miles got me a ticket and you know mom he he really told me how much he cares for you and and you know, wanted me to be here because he saw how much you were missing me. And I think he's, sounds like he's a really good guy. I really want you to, you know, you know, don't run away from something that's making you happy. And then the two of them go back to the party together so we can have some more mother daughter time. And then she can surprise him as like a gesture of good faith at the end. Mm, That's kind of what I was hoping for. Well, that's better for sure. I mean, it's tricky to doctor this movie because it's so badly broken. Mm, mm-hmm. But like the central conflict in the relationship just absolutely does not work because it's not a central conflict. It only comes up 
in a moment and then it's resolved in like 10 minutes yeah so like if you're really gonna make this a thing like you had to kind of weave in either external or internal problems yeah you know yeah and just didn't do that just didn't do that yeah they just threw in a weird like second act twist of like he's suddenly really mean to her after they sleep together and then he has to come in on horseback like yeah this is just like this is like this isn't even screenwriting 101 this is like before you take screenwriting 101 you read like save the cat or whatever yeah you 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 learn about the basics of three act structure by watching like lessons from the screenplay on youtube and (laughs) which which is a great it's a great channel it's a great channel um, but you just like learn things like need versus want and react structure, and yeah. or they could have they could have had a moment not to cut you off, but like I'm just thinking now they could have had a moment where like they have this huge blowout fight and then she goes to the well that mm. they went to together and then he yes. finds her there and they have a, a a moment where they make up at the well so that there's a little bit more emotional significance for that well and like she's technically a commoner right like the duchess married a commoner like you know i think there's some parallelism there but yeah there's definitely meant to be yes because she specifically asks him like did they get married yes and it has like this yes totally that would have been better there's all kinds of things (laughs) i mean that's like the rank incompetence on display in this movie, at every single turn except for the very few places where they obviously spent money, which was on casting and location. Yes. And everything else, they cut to the bone and they did a terrible job. And it's just like, why? 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 It's a waste of your two leads because they are very charming individually. Yeah. I mean, do you think they have very much chemistry? I thought them. there were a couple moments where they were flirting when I thought they did, but I think the writing was kind of Hampering. clunky. Yeah. And so maybe it didn't give them the full range to kind of like explore their actual chemistry together. Yeah, maybe it's not a fair question when you're talking about a movie that's this badly scripted. I mean, but I thought she did. I thought they both... I think the thing with his accent is that... I was about to say, didn't you have, like, a dissertation ready to go on the accent? as much of a dissertation as it was, like, I think the accent makes his performance bigger and more comedic than this movie was supposed to be. He Oh, interesting. He, okay. Like, because when you think about... I mean, I thought a lot about the um, him and the Princess Bride, because that, is, again, that's the romantic lead version of him. And he has these moments where, you know, his in his natural speaking voice, his voice can get a, a little bit lower, a little bit smokier, right? Like he's, mm. he can kind of have a little bit more gravitas because that's his natural speaking voice. And he can kind of seduce a little bit that way, right? Like there are a bunch of scenes that I'm thinking of where he, as the Dread Pirate Roberts and, you know, later on you know once he grows up and stuff and he comes back for her that he's supposed to be a little bit more severe so his voice kind of matches that and in this movie because he's doing this accent it his voice is a lot more nasally and um i think there's a lot of comedy about like the scottish accent in general and like and the slang and the slang so you spent much more time there than you do on like i think it would be 
I don't know if anybody would really be offended if there's just a throwaway line in there about how, yes, I'm Scottish royalty, but I was raised in like, you know, English boarding schools and I went to Cambridge and Oxford. And so I don't have much of an accent. I mean, he at one point, Brooke Shields says that his father died in a London hotel room. So it's not like they never went to England. Right. And yeah. And so it does kind of seem like they did him. They they like sort of hamstrung him a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it was his choice to do the accent. But I think they kind of hamstrung. Yeah, they kind of hamstrung him a little bit with that accent. Um, and the last little script doctor I wanted to see what you thought of this is that I thought you know they make a lot of hay in the movie about Miles's father being like kind of a defer. Yes, and I thought it would have been interesting if Miles, once he knows who Brooke Shields's dad was, mm. if there had now you'd have to play with the ages a little bit. But I was like, oh, wouldn't it have been interesting if, like, Brooke Shields' dad was, like, uh, you know, a groundskeeper in his, like, late teens, early 20s and got, you know, had a little bit of a relationship with, like, little Miles, like, five-year-old Miles and was very kind to him and sweet to him. And then his father, you know, Miles' father dismisses Brooke Shields' dad for some other reason he goes to America, moves to Queens, has a baby, you know, and so maybe they're, you know, five, seven years apart in age or whatever. But like maybe Miles, when he is confronted with the fact that like this is the daughter of someone that he was very close to as a young child, you know, that kind of softens him a little bit because it's like... Mm. I thought that would have been an interesting thing for him to be like, hey, I have memories of your dad. Because she's so attached to her father. And right. she's and so it's just... attached to like the castle as yes. a memory of her father. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if he was like, hey, I remember your dad. He was really nice to me. And he took me fishing. Or like we did this together. And I was really sad when he left. And so like I'm glad he had a good life. But, you know... I just want to say, like, your father was a really kind person to me. And, like, maybe that's another way that she can kind of, like, get in touch with It's like memories. a Mr. Wickham thing, but he's not evil. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, just a different way for her to get in touch with these memories of her dad. Like, maybe he could tell her stories about, like, you know, the two of them on the grounds together. And, like, she could learn some stuff she didn't know. I thought that would have been nice. Yeah, just a lot of squandered opportunities. Yeah. That's just, I mean, this felt like a, not a first draft, but like a first draft that got disrupted by something and then hastily revised. Yeah, and... I'm trying to think of if the Roomba was the, the music supervisor, what do you think was the script supervisor on this? Like an electric can opener, maybe? <laughs> a popcorn machine? A, a Benedetto! <laughs> Yeah, it, it it it's so sloppy, it's so lazy, it so does not care that it's those things, because all it is is, like, a palette for them to paint pretty Scotland pictures, and to have their well-known leads kind of dance around each other for a while, and if nothing makes any sense, and no one's actions mean anything, like, we don't care, we're Netflix, we already have your money. Yeah, yeah. And I think they really just were hoping that, you know. Netflix's holiday offerings, to my knowledge, are are pretty uniformly terrible. Yeah, they're bad. They're not great. 
Like, honestly, sometimes I get really charmed by the Hallmark movies Same. or the Lifetime Christmas movies. Same. Sometimes I'm like, I really enjoyed this. We watched that Hanukkah one that we really liked. Love that one. Mistletoe menorahs. <laughs> we watched uh, the Anthony Cleaver Parks one that mm-hmm. we really liked. Like, those are, like, genuinely, like, it's a sweet little romantic movie. It happens to be around Christmas. But somebody took the time and effort. So, like, the money got spent, like, more evenly, right? Yeah. They're not big stars. They're just random, you know, uh, working day actors or whatever. Yeah. And so they, you know, spent enough money on <laughs> the script. Like, we didn't even... We haven't really talked about the the fact that, like, the, the grieving knitter in this movie is oh, a man yeah. with the selective mutism... Allegedly, that's what is said. And then at some point we see him singing in like a little holiday song thing. I swear at one point I see him talking to someone in the background. And then it's like a huge deal when Brooke Shields is like about to flee town. And then she can't because they sabotage her. He like speaks, quote unquote, for the first time to be like, love is never a mistake. And everyone's like, oh, Angus, you spoke. And it's like, he's been, he's He's saying He's been talking. He's been talking. A- and, you know, selective mutism is like a very serious psychological condition. And I do not like that it was used to, like, impress upon Brooke Shields how important love is. You know? Like, no. Yeah, it it definitely... I mean, that is a script supervisor thing. Because if anybody is looking... Or like a like a, a su- assistant director thing where you're, like, looking at it and going, like, wait a minute, he shouldn't be singing in this scene. Because we haven't had the emotional catharsis. Like, you know what I mean? I, I agree. I, I think you're correct that they, they cut a lot of corners. I will say that I also watched um, Single All the Way on Netflix... Oh, okay. I did hear a little bit about that. Which is, um, it's the gay Christmas movie. And I found it. <laughs> you know, the only one. The gay Christmas Well, movie. I mean, yes. Um, no, I found no. it utterly charming and fun and really. Oh, good. It was. But I think they have the situation of like, they have a couple star, like Jennifer Coolidge and Kathy Jimmy are in it. We love them. We do love them. Um, but they are not, I don't think they command Brooke Shields money. No, so few people do. And the rest of the people in the movie, like the, the romantic, the, the best friend who is sort of like the, um, will they, won't they with the romantic lead. Um, he, this was his first movie ever. Mm. And so, oh, and, and they also, the Jocelyn from Schitt's Creek is in it. So that was a lot of fun. But like. They they have a, a much bigger ensemble cast, but it was also just, like, it felt younger. And, like, there were obviously some things that were, like, very dumb and kind of, like, you know, probably could have been cut out. But it was a much more coherent story. It was a much more, like, emotionally resonant story. It was also very cute and had a lot of, like, really fun family moments in it. And, like... It had a sense of humor about itself that I think this movie really didn't have. And mm. I, so I thought that was really, really charming and fun and definitely worth a watch. But I think other than that, Netflix's Christmas offerings are pretty low grade. I like to watch, there's a Jenny Nicholson YouTube video about the Christmas Prince series, about the first two Christmas Prince movies. I and I've watched, watched it. 
I've watched, oh, I haven't watched the Christmas Prince movies, but I've watched her, like, video review of the first two Christmas Prince movies several times. <laughs> and it never fails to crack me up because these movies are so bad. There's, like, a billion of them. There's, there's a lot. Oh, there's, I thought there were three. more. I thought there were more. Pretty sure there's three. Seems like there are more. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe it's because I keep saying, like, a prince for Christmas princess for yeah christmas. that's different christmas princess like every everybody's just like christmas royalty let's do it let's make up a country and do it I, which like you're an american like have some pride <laughs> we don't do royalty a senator for christmas <laughs> <laughs> yes it's just veep <laughs> <laughs> or if it's if it's a senator for hanukkah we could get brian Schatz involved <laughs> i don't know who that is he's the senator from hawaii <laughs> And he's Jewish. Ooh. Is he eligible? Is he an eligible bachelor? I think he's married. Unfortunately. Well, there goes someone else I can't marry you off to. I know. You were so disappointed that I couldn't marry John Ossoff also. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Uh, Ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, if you know of any high-ranking Jewish (laughs) unmarried male politicians, if you could just HMU. (laughs) Or, listen, if you know of any... Single dudes, maybe Jewish, maybe not. Whatevs. I'm a Vales. <laughs> New York City area preferred. Thank you. Uh, vaxed, please. Vaxed and boosted. Oh my God! Can you imagine? I haven't. I haven't seen. Well, that's not true. I go to the grocery store. I don't know who's at the grocery store, but like, at my workplace. You know, at, at at parties. Not that I'm going to a ton of parties. I went to a party, a holiday party last weekend. But like, I don't see unvaccinated people socially or no. professionally. No, they 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 don't exist in my world. New York City has done a really good job of getting people vaxxed and boosted. But you know, just... I'm sure everybody listening to us has already been vaccinated because we've yelled about it. But like, please get boosted if you can. I know that might not be a possibility depending on where you live and how old you are and all that. But like. If you can get boosted, please do, because the Omicron numbers against people who are not boosted are, is not great. I'm getting boosted on Monday, baby. hey Oh, okay. Just in time for Christmas. So, And my kids just got their second Hooray. Pfizer shots. Every, we're all going to be, we're going to get together for Christmas and we're going to be vaxxed up. Vaxxed up. So if, if anybody knows any vaccinated, hot, Christmas. hot vaccinated gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Who, you know, maybe if they own a castle, okay. I don't want you moving to Scotland. What if I summer there? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Anything else? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You want to take us out? Uh, yeah. Oh, you we know. don't know what we're doing. We don't know what No, we have no doing. idea what's happening. Okay. Everyone stop having expectations of us. <laughs> stop having what? Expectations, expectations of us. Oh, Lord. Until next time, may the wind speak to you and tell you that the man who fell down the stairs was actually an identical twin brother. We'll see you later, Camilla Parker Bowles. <laughs> Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock.
I'm not sorry. <laughs> I <can't>. <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut some of this out. <laughs> Don't you dare! <laughs> My tummy hurts now. I am actively crying. <laughs> myself workout my abs have gotten in a long time. <laughs>